Gal Leibovich, co-founder and COO of Visit.org, an employee-driven corporate social responsibility platform. Hello, Gal. What's up? Hi. How are you? Good. I'm all good. Good. Thank you for uh, coming on Real Life Superpowers. Thank you for having me. Where are you at now? We are based out of uh, New York. So we're in uh, Seven World Trade, uh, the financial district downtown New York. What are you in the office right now? Or? Yeah, so we work out of, uh, it's a program, it's an incubator, it's called Silver Tech Ventures, it's in the Silverstone building, um, and we're part of this uh, incubator floor, so we have this little office, uh, we're seven right here in New York and 18 Global, um, and yeah, we work out of here, they, they help us with, you know, with raising money, investors, but also a lot of advice, uh, advising on different things and and. stuff that we encounter daily and yeah and you have all the other companies which you get inspiration from you can talk to most of them Israeli companies so it's also nice um, and you can you know brainstorm with other companies or just surface some questions that you have and they maybe encountered that problem or had an issue and are they all like uh, impact driven companies is that like the theme of the incubator no not at all it's just a regular incubator um, they're all um, some of them are Israeli probably 90 percent but They're different sectors and different companies and and okay so there's something I have to clarify also the due diligence that we did I have to understand something the business model itself okay um, and we'll understand also uh, while you're answering what exactly do you do but is the business model a non-profit organization or is it a profit organization so visit.org is a for-profit organization we're a startup um, we're a for-profit and I know that org sometimes throws people off but we're fully for-profit um, organization but your business so when a brand okay um, what, give me a name of a brand that works with you Moody's Panasonic so Panasonic when they got it go in the plays going in and they pick the certain um, uh, impact social impact or social uh, um, uh, activity that they want to do okay how does the business model how do you profit off of that? Maybe let's just take a step back and just for the listeners who didn't do the due diligence, maybe just tell us exactly how it works and then sure. uh, and through that also explain Renan's question about what the business model is. Yeah, sure, no problem. So the way it works is that we created a platform that helps companies do good and um, help with your, their corporate social responsibility programs, either develop them or help with their existing ones, expand them into uh, the rest of the company or the rest of the employees. That platform, uh, you pay a license fee to use that platform. And the unique thing about visit.org, all our supply that you see on the platform is nonprofits and social ventures. Um, we don't work with anyone else. And this is a way for you to discover a lot of different experiences. The experiences range from the um, traditional volunteering that very a lot of companies are familiar with can be a soup kitchen or you know a toy drive or other things like that but they also range to team building events or wellness event you could do a yoga class with us and the unique thing is that yoga class is brought to you by a nonprofit and all the money that you pay for that yoga class goes back to the call to the mission of that nonprofit so by doing a yoga class you actually did good you and it's and it's another way of 
bringing doing good to the workplace we also do in-office experiences which is different than others uh you can do a volunteering experience or in-office experience where you do good as well um so you don't really have to go out all the time and you know for some companies it's tough and it, you have to organize it in advance and and so on so you can do a lunch thing and lunch and learn you could do uh, a, a drive in the office you could do a cooking class in the office you could do um card making in the office and such things as well so we make it very easy for the company and obviously this platform gives you a lot of other things such as tracking of hours and and, and other insights and data about employees passions it gives you you can do surveys you can manage all the RSVPs and all the tracking of the employees through that platform. And then what's the business model? So the business model, we charge a license fee and we charge a service fee of 20% on top of each experience because there's a lot of there's an organization that goes into the experience itself once you... And Okay, so why in, uh, from your impression now um, are companies um, uh, so you already have a lot of traction on that, so what, what makes them enthusiastic because at the end of the day, when the problem is everybody wants to be a great person who has impact and everything else, but a lot of people, so the first part that I understand is the ideas that you produce are amazing, but why do they decide a license fee on something that's not ROI um, uh, positive? Um, and why is that becoming a trend? And why, how do you feel about that right now? Okay, so first of all, it's not the ROI positive. Um, it's not necessarily um, it's not necessarily true. So a lot of companies today, with the new generation coming into the workforce and and the millennials and the Gen Z, um, the what we encounter is a lot of companies are forced to do that. A lot of companies are forced in order to attract new talent and attract the new generation and the new talent of generation, uh, the new generation talent. Um, they're forced to 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 do good, and they're forced to show impact because when an a new um, um, someone comes out of college and goes to an interview, he asks, "What do you guys do to you know affect your community around you? What do you guys? How do you guys do impact?" And a lot of them don't have an answer. So that's one parameter. So they're they're really scrambling and looking for things to do because we have HR calling us and saying, you know, my employees come to me and say they want to start volunteering. They want to do all this stuff and I just don't know where to even start. Um, so there's a lot of confusion about that. But we also help you with the other stuff. So, so companies who do volunteer today or do things, other things, um, they have problems tracking. They have problems with engagement. They have problems engaging employees. And by us bringing also volunteering in a different and unique way, it helps them really engage their employees and bring that engagement up. And this is the ROI. The ROI, a lot of them are measured on engagement. So a lot of them measure how are your employees engaged. Today, only 10% of the company engaged. If I can show next year that 25% of the company was engaged in, in company activities such as doing good, it's amazing. There's also retention ROI. There's also um, obviously attracting new talent ROI and so on. And then like, I have to sort of step back because I think what you're saying here is very exciting because I have to sort of shut down the cynical voices in my head because I think I would say that the organizations might not necessarily care about doing good and are oriented to just do cold business. And it's there's no arguing that there's an entire trend in the world of companies trying to do good whether you know this comes from a genuine place or not is almost insignificant if if we want to measure by results and so i'm trying to understand the other end and that's the actual uh generation of people who maybe for the first time i don't know if this is something that can be attributed to uh, generations in the past have uh the boldness to sit at the job interview and 
sort of interview the company with that being one of the top priorities for them. And I have to ask you as someone in this landscape, how do you explain this shift? How come people have become so aware to their surroundings? I mean, people say millennials are so selfish and it sounds like uh, that's very wrong. So, yes. Yeah, so I think that first of all, the voices in your head, plenty of people, but plenty of other people have the, those voices in their heads and the skeptical and, and so on. Uh, but I think there's a huge shift in the past two years. I think a lot of it, obviously, the new generation, social media, um, a lot are connected to the media, to TV. Uh, we've seen a lot of movements in the past couple of years, Me Too. We've seen movements of women empowerment. We've seen movements in global, um, global warming. Um, and there's a lot of things happening. Um, and this is kind of what they're growing into. This is kind of what they're educated. You can take courses in college, which are related to CSR, which is corporate social responsibility or, or doing good. Um, and, and this is what, you know, this is the new generation, what they're growing into. And I, I think that as we, as the years go by, you're going to see more and more and more and more of it because this is what's around you all the time now. I have to argue with both of you. I, I think there's a different reason. I think it has to do with Maslow. I think that people are not trying to survive anymore. Uh, like, like the idea is people were looking for a job to get paid um, to get access to really good things. And right now getting access with a mobile phone that costs $800 and, and living and, and getting enough money is a lot easier than it was. And efficiency is a lot better than it was. And now there's like the techie style, style, uh, style companies are, uh, have no key differentiation because there's so many different places to work and no one's really going to, if you're like on the tech scene, you're not going to be out, out a job. You may have to have lesser stuff like that, but they can actually ask the job, am I going to learn? Am I going to be challenged? Am I going to do social things, which is a high priority already because everybody pays them around the same amount. They're going to do about the same thing and you have enough reach and information on the internet. Like, and, and that's good for you on the business side. But like, I, I feel that it's that social, you know, um, the Facebook and everything doesn't help uh, that much. So it's like uh, more of a privilege. Yeah. They're not like, you know, parents, probably all of ours, they had to go to work. Uh, you know, okay. You, you can freelance, you can freelance.com. You can do an outsource thing, you know, live around it. And now if I'm working somewhere, what, what am I going to learn? How am I going to give back to the environment? What do you think about that, Kat? So my question to you is, do you think it's privilege or just the priorities change? I think that's the same thing because if they don't have anything to eat, you can't think about your priorities, right? If you have children and you're in a bad spot, okay? But if you are uh, 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 in a good space and you have confidence, you're cherry picking. But, but we're assuming that we're talking about the same the same demographic that was 10, 15 years ago. We're not talking about the people that need to eat. The pe they still need to eat today. And, and I'm sure they care about the, the money. Um, and it's still the number one reason, right? And don't get me wrong. Money is still the number one reason. And in the U.S. is benefits as well, um, insurance and so on. Um, but I think that priorities also change uh, with the new generation. For us, this just wasn't a thing. It was just like, go go work, come home and do your thing. Um, they still work, right? They still make money. They still understand they need to pay rent. They still understand that money is, you know, what evolves, uh, what changes things. But I think that priorities change. I think that, you know, in the past, these were, that was like maybe priority number eight or 10. And now this is priority number three or four. So how come? Uh, Why? It's, it's because a lot of, because of this generation, this generation is exposed to a lot of things that we weren't to. Like in my, I, I don't know, you know, in my when I was younger, when you say volunteering, for me, it's like, 
it was like you do it once a year maybe and you go paint the wall. That's what I know volunteer, right? But it's not. It's not. There's a lot of other things. There's a lot of different things you can do and benefit the community. You can sit with kids and, and help them to read, right? But can they I challenge you? My, okay, if you're in debt or if you if you you don't know if you're going to ends meet, what said, would you ask in an interview bravely, can I get this job? Like, like yeah, what do you vol- like? What do we volunteer in? You know what I mean? Like, it's something that 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 uh, that if you really need the job, it sounds to me like something that uh, is kind of um, you know um, nice to have. You know what I mean? It's not a must. Yeah, and again, like I mentioned, I, I don't I don't think it's the first priority. I don't think that if you're the salary that you were offered is really good and the benefits and the insurance was really good, um, and then they told you no, we don't do any community. You're gonna say no, definitely. Um, I, I think, again, I think it, it's, it is, I don't think it's, it's, it's coming from a privilege. I just think that it's a different priority list than we had when we were younger. Um, and I think obviously, again, money, if you don't have anything to eat, obviously you got to survive. There's still that people that have to survive. And I don't think they ask about volunteering. Right. Right. Uh, but we're talking about the other, no, the other side, the-, the companies, that's really, I understand the, 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 the idea here, because that's amazing. What they, what you did, which is, is amazing, you actually gave so many options to differentiate themselves socially, so that all those, in my opinion, privilege, you say this is a must. They, they have a, like a really good pitch to say. They do all these great activities and great ideas for HR reasons. It's amazing. And so, I have a question: What kind of activities do you see that are the most popular? We have the the traditional volunteering is going about composting and and and, and about recycling is popular. Uh, soup kitchen is popular. Now that the holidays is coming, a lot of drives are popular. Toy wrapping for kids and toy drives for kids. Um, now that the winter is coming, we have a coat drive as well that you know uh, you you donate coats and and, and things like that. Um, we also see popular things like um, we have a cocktail making class which is popular. We just got that book. We have a music archive, which you go in the New York music archive. So it's so, so, yeah, we see, we see a mix again, traditional volunteering is always the number the popular thing because you feel a lot more impact than, than, you know, um, the impact is just stronger at, at that point that you interact with the nonprofit and, and you use your hands and do things. Um, but yeah, but we have, yeah, there's, there's a variety of different things that are really popular. And then how did you reach the idea of founding uh, visit.org? Because you must have tapped into this, uh, this state of mind of this generation. Uh, you must have identified that and realized that you can connect the dots between their need of doing something bigger than themselves and companies uh, need for I don't know you define it like because I'm taking it to HR reasons and no okay let's let's call it companies needs to do good as well okay like people want to do good there's the companies that want to do good and there's the people the employees and you figured that you could provide a solution and connect the dots like how did that happen right so so for that the credit is not mine the credit is Michal Alters. Uh, she's our CEO um, and my partner co-founder. Um, she co-founded this company a while back, about four years ago. It started in the travel industry. So the idea is you going all over the world and you want to do something more authentic than just doing the regular tourist stuff. And you can just do, um, you know, um, join a local farmer in Thailand and farm for rice for two and a half hours and, and you get really connected to the local community and do an impact. And basically there's a lot of millennial travelers and, and people that really, um, really enjoy that. 
So we were in the B2C travel area at first. I joined about two and a half years ago. Um, and and we changed the business model to B2B because we saw the, re- the need for bigger groups, but also for companies to do good. We tested it, we piloted it, and we saw overwhelming responses for companies that were just thirsty for, hey, we just want to do it. Um, really confused. Um, you have to understand for someone that works with nonprofits, I'm not sure any you, 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 you work with nonprofits before. It's really, it's not an easy job. I mean, there's a lot, first of all, there's a lot of nonprofits, um, discovering them, um, knowing that this is the right nonprofit for you, um, knowing that, you know, the nonprofit on the other side, really the mission is what they stand for and the money that you're going to give for that mission is really where the money goes. Um, and also, you know, you have the aspect because you're involved with employees, you have the aspect of it being interesting and being impactful. The employees leave at the end and they feel like, really impactful about it. So um, there's a lot involved in that. And, and we saw a huge need from HRs and from people that, you know, um, head of CSRs that are like, yeah, we, 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 we need as much help as possible. I'm sort of uh, being thrown here to that uh, end scene in Schindler's List when he's like, oh, this watch, I could have saved another life with it. Like, I'm thinking you guys sort of have to be those uh, facilitators that decide who gets... To be on the list and who doesn't am I correct you mean the list of nonprofits that actually uh, are part of what you do so we which we, we take if, if they if they fit the, the what we're doing and they fit they can accommodate groups and they and they have and their experience and, and a lot of nonprofits we work with them to make their experience interesting to make it impactful for, for, for companies and We pretty much take whoever wants to come in. We don't really, we're not at the point where we say you can't join us unless it's something really not relevant to us or something that we don't, but it's very rare. I, I, I have to say I'm very proud of this idea and I'll tell you why. Because the connection between a business model and also helping society, like I like it because the balance table is good because there's a solution for everybody. Uh, I saw this model a few times where you can actually do something impactful and it's okay that you profit off of it. And I love it as an idea and I'm very proud of it. Okay. Even though I have no connection whatsoever. <laughs> so, so I'm interested in something when you onboarded to this project and you pivoted, which is really interesting. And this, I think it would be really important for people to hear. How did you decide you got in? How did you decide that this was the right pivot? I know that you tested it. The idea is to persuade a partner, co-founder, okay, that you have a great idea. The business model is different. The shifting is really brave and it's also annoying. And probably, I'm not sure, you had investors probably, dynamics, politics, they can believe in that. Tell us a little bit about the process. Yeah, so first of all, obviously, Michal and I see things eye to eye pretty much on everything. So that was amazing. wasn't any convincing of her she had that thought as well it's not something that was strange to her or not something she never thought about before um, I think the idea behind it is that we looked at scale and we said how can we have more people do good because when you, you you're attracting one by one travelers at the end of the day it's one by one travelers maybe you go with your family but you're saying how can you attract a larger size of people and send them to the nonprofit and do good um, and then obviously companies you Is, is one of the solutions because you, you you're broadcasting to a mass of a thousand people 15,000 people company where they you know you, they can send their employees and those are groups those are groups of 10 30 or maybe a hundred 
Um, and that's 100 people at once that go and do an effect in the community. It's not, you know, to get the 100 people in the travel site might take a little longer because it's one by one or two, threes, but it's not 100 at once. So we thought that, well, obviously, business-wise, but we also thought affecting the community and helping the nonprofit, if we bring larger groups and more people and more traffic, will do the job uh, even better. Did you have investors in that, in that period? Yeah. Did they totally believe in the pivot? Or did you have to persuade them? Uh, no, I don't think there was much persuasion. I think they believed in us. It was very, it was early stage. They believed in us and they believed in the pivot. They believed in the idea. They believed in reaching more people and reaching mass crowds, um, which is companies. Yeah, and they really liked the idea. At first, we kept both in parallel, the travel and, and, the, and the corporate side, uh, just to see how they, they work. But they saw, they saw the change. They saw the, 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 the numbers go up instantly because we're talking to a larger larger groups that comes up come at once and and yeah i think they 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 got the point pretty much from early on and before you joined what was the path that you took were you always uh oriented towards uh impactful businesses or what was like your main motivation during your career to that point so in my career starting from the army uh probably before that and going forward i always to do with operations previous to this i worked at get get taxi for four years, uh, nearly four years as head of U.S. operations. And, and I was in charge of uh, different areas in the business. None of my past businesses were impactful. I mean, you know, every business says I'm changing this, I'm changing that. I'm changing the world of uh, ride sharing and so on, but not not an impact like we're talking today. Uh, and when I left Get, which is Juno today, I was looking for my next opportunity. I was always looking for a small startup. I was looking to make an impact. Um, to be a part of a team that, you know, I can uh, change and influence and, and bring my my experience. And Michal and I uh, got connected by a third party um, and we sat together and we clicked right right off the bat. And um, the idea was uh, back then, again, the B2C idea was amazing. And for me, having a job that, you, you know, you get paid, but you also do a lot of good. Um, and you and you change the, the the face of doing good and the community around you was was just an amazing you know something that you can't say no to. What's interesting to me is everybody has that point where where you have to be impactful not only on money orientation okay and these are the lucky ones that they can be impactful also socially. I'm wondering in the ambiance of being in that area, how do you feel? Is it easier doing that job? Is it more fun? Is it more fulfilling? Or at the end of the day, does it feel like the job, like you just get remembered once in a while and at the end of the day, the job is a job. And I know you're passionate and you love whatever you do, but you look like a person who works hard and you're passionate anyways, what do you do? So I'm wondering how that feeling is. The job is a job. So at the end of the day, we're a startup. We, that everything that comes with a startup, very hectic, things change. We have a product, um, you know, that, that needs, that evolves every day pretty much. We're not a huge team. So many people wear different hats and different things, uh, do different things in the business. As a day to day, the, the, the job is very tech startup, like you're used to in any other job, very hectic and, and, and so on. But the nice thing is that, and I look at it, I always look at it is that at the end of the day, you just sit for five minutes and you think of what, how you connected a group of 20 people or a group of 40 people to a nonprofit. That affected people's life. You know, it affected someone's life. It's either giving out, you know, I can give out meals to homeless people. And it's someone that just ate because you helped connect those 40 people 
to that nonprofit that might have struggled not have those 40 people and have only two people and can feed less people. Or you connected all these toys or codes or whatever it is, and then you sit back and say, wow, you know, yeah, we do all this hectic work all day and it's like a tech company like any other tech company. But at the end of the day, you brought those people that might have never encountered that specific experience or nonprofit and you helped do that connection. And by doing that connection, you help do so much good and, and change someone's life. You know, someone might have froze to death without this coat or, you know, it might be drastic, but it's not. Someone, it's New York weather. And sometimes if you don't have a good jacket and they're on the street, you might freeze to death or you might not eat. Um, and, and you connected them and, and you made that happen. Um, so that's the amazing part of it. And then once you take a break, it, you know, I, I try to do it daily, take a break from this hectic tech and, and startup world and just say, wow, you know, this, this month I connected hundreds of people with these nonprofits. Is that a practice that uh, you're sort of trying to persist in uh, because it serves some sort of a focal point for you to sort of uh, pause among like the, the storm and remember what you're here for? For sure. I, I, I try to do it myself and I try to, you know, for the team as well. Um, we talk about these things. We, we, we celebrate each booking that we have by connecting um, this specific company to a nonprofit, not only because it's just a bookie, but because, you know, wow, this is amazing. Or if it's a nonprofit that just started working with us and all of a sudden they got a booking that we never connected anyone to them before and all of a sudden they did, it's amazing. It's like we help them, you know, we help their mission. Um, so, yeah, the whole team is very passionate about what we do. Um, and we, we very much think about this stuff all day. That's what keeps us focused and going forward in what we do. You had a pretty promising dream job in Get, and you're saying that something made you want to do more. And I'm trying to tap into that and understand what it is that suddenly felt not enough. So to be honest, until I encountered it, I didn't know that it wasn't enough. And once I heard of, you know, you're able to work and, and do what you do in the tech world and, and the startup world that, you, that I love, but you're able to do so much good, that's when I knew that my past wasn't enough. I'm very honest. I wasn't searching for a very impactful job and, you know, to change the world. That wasn't it. But once I, I heard it and I, and, I know, and I saw the combination between both, it just grew on me and it just, it was, you know, just that combination was kind of this is you know this should be the dream job because you're really affecting people's life and so on and you're doing the, what you love every day so why not yeah but how do you take the risk you're now living leaving leaving this you know very stable big company job and now you're going to a risk to start up where by the way it's very very new and innovative so it's not like the business model was very you know you know it wasn't tight it wasn't closed you pivoted there was chance saving so you take a leap of faith and that leap of faith, um, like how do you decide? So the leap of faith was taken because Get bought another company named Juno, and they kind of shifted from the U.S. operation to Juno's operation. Um, so it was time for me. It was it was it was in my head for a while before that. But you know, once something like this happens, it was time for me to move on. And this is when I started my you know kind of what you call the job search or my next career move. Um, and that's when I you know we got connected, and that's when I said you know this is this will be amazing. I, I I think that you know I was always looking for a small startup, something that I can make an impact. But this is double the impact. It's making an impact as a startup on the world and making an impact on a team and building a team and scaling a, a company. But it's also making an impact, really an impact on outside and and the community. So. 
it was it was a win-win situation for me. And what was exciting to you when you're saying you were always looking to be part of a startup? Why? I, I like the startup life. I know people, you know, um, sometimes it's crazy. But yeah, I do like the startup life. I like the changes. Don't get me wrong. There is days that I was like, I, I, I just can't take this. But um, I love the changes. I love the hectic environment, uh, the flexibility, you know, working with your colleagues and your teammates and just, you know, brainstorming and, and, and doing things and how fast you change things. And I always like the, you know, I, I always like to feel busy and I always like to feel hectic. I think that, you know, that drives me to move forward. Um, I don't like a job that it's a nine to five. You sit in your chair, you do the same task every day and, and so on. Nothing wrong with that. Just not for me. Yeah, I think that that startup environment is what drives me to, you know, wake up every day and, and move forward. So that's what I look for. And obviously scaling a team. Uh, when we start, I started in Get in the U.S. were about 10, 11 people. And we scale to nearly 150 people. It's really amazing to see. It's it's a process that you learn a lot, but it's really amazing to see that you know you helped scale something. And this is what we're trying to do here. You know, we're 18 now. We started a lot less, and we're scaling and growing. And this is really something amazing to see. And what's the end game? So the end game is is to grow the company, be a successful company, be a household name in the corporate world, and giving back. Just like today, you you, you sign up to a new job, and and they ask you, what do you use to chat? You use Slack. For us, is what you use to give back. You use visit.org and, you know, grow this company, be a successful company, grow it, and obviously change the, the, the giving back world, change the impact. You know, more and more people do want to do impact. We want to make it easier for them. So do you have competitors? It. So we don't have competitors in the content space. So what we, so there are competitors in the financial um, part of the business, which is the donation and matching. Mm-hmm. They're, they're pretty right. big uh, comp, comp, competition there. But what we bring, the unique part that we bring that no one else does is the content. It's the actual interaction with the nonprofit and those experiences that we talked about. No one else does that. So I'm thinking everything you're describing is a huge opportunity to the world with respect to what the internet has brought about. And I'll explain. I think uh, the internet has influenced people's behavior and uh, passions uh, in two ways in this context. One, I think that startups are being glorified. And I think it's making a lot of people who would have never uh, considered starting becoming entrepreneurs get exposed to journeys of people um, who are startup founders. And it makes them uh, embark on uh, trying it themselves, which can be argued if it's a good or a bad thing, because obviously not everybody is cut out for it. And because, you know, we are always exposed to the success stories. And as you obviously have experienced and know, the real deal is not uh, as uh, pretty as it's uh, described. But I think uh, the internet has enabled this entire trend of entrepreneurship because uh, of the glorification of it. And then the other angle is the, the giving back, which I think is also something that has become such a huge conversation across the board between companies and between people and, you know, there is the element of even uh, just the group impact. So it's a bit contagious and it's become something that um, you're almost judged as a person if you don't think about giving back. But also, if you're trying to be selfishly smart, when you give back, uh, there's so much going on in your brain that makes you a happier person. So people are tapping into that and understanding that if they 
are thinking and doing things that are bigger than themselves, they're actually going to be happier and just everybody is going to win. And I'm under the impression that you sort of reflect the intersection between those things. Because you sound like a, you were telling us that you weren't really uh, planning to be an entrepreneur early on. And you sort of leaned into that uh, as, as your career evolved. And you also weren't very impact driven. So I'm wondering, and this is like to make my super gosh long question short, uh, am I right? And is like being exposed to so much information and trends and discussions, uh, has that been a, a huge influence on you? And do you think that it's, it's a huge influence on your target audience? Yeah, I think that, again, like I mentioned, if you talk to me about this, about this, I think like 10 or 15 years ago, my thoughts would be different because it's just the way that was 10 or 15 years ago and what we were used to. I think with everything that you mentioned online and, and I, I did volunteer before, before visit.org, I did volunteer okay. and started thinking about it. But again, it's, it's a shift that's happened in the past years and not since I was, you know, 15. Like today, there's a lot of younger generation that start already volunteering and doing good in the, in their community. Um, so yeah, I think it has a lot with, with, you know, the social media and the info and the TV and what you see and kind of what the generation and people around you see as a norm. It's becoming a norm, right? It's becoming yeah. something that people want to do. And it definitely influenced me and in, in my thinking and the way I see things as well. Yeah. So for sure. And then another thought is at the end of the day, and you're saying that you help start, not startup, sorry, nonprofits, uh, package their messaging in a way. Do you do that? And I'm thinking as a person who was able to uh, tap into that spark himself, you probably in a great position to try and uh, guide nonprofits uh, into conveying their messaging. Because I'm under the impression that nonprofits in general, if you ask them, why should I uh, help you? They get a little angry and they're like, because this is really important. And they're not very busy trying to get you to be passionate about what they're passionate about. And I think you're in a good position to help them communicate uh, the importance of what they're doing from an emotional angle. Yes, for sure. So I, I, I don't take credit for myself. We have a very, very uh, talented team and we have a supply side of the business, which are amazing. They come from the nonprofit world and they know that world in and out. Um, and yeah, we, 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 we kind of speak the nonprofit language and we help bring it to the, to the front we help bring it to you as like you said and make it appealing to you and make it uh speak your your language and easy for you to understand what your impact is and what you're doing um and we help there we help them yeah we help them package it we help them market it sometimes some of them do a great job some of them need more help uh, but that's what we're here for we're here for the nonprofit side as well to help them with everything that they need in order to bring the corporates to their side so i think you're humbly uh doing something more by the way, I'll tell you why. Because what's uh, what the idea is, it's not the the money or the activity, but what's really cool about it is I'm not talking about the coats, like giving out coats, but more of the cooking classes and stuff. Because you're giving them empowerment. See, this is the difference. Okay, in my opinion, um, uh, um, I am a director in something called Nalagat uh, in Israel, where there's uh, uh, where the idea in the beginning they help blind and and deaf and blind deaf. Uh, people, but the thing was in the beginning, the organization started as a some as as giving money to people who need the money to help them out. And what happened is they changed the business model of giving services. 
So there's a coffee place where you learn sign language. And there's a blackout uh, restaurant where you sit in the dark and blind uh, uh, men and women uh, serve you food as waiters and help you with the experience of being blind. Now, there's a show and all kinds of other activities. But what's really cool about that is the idea of making money or for non-profit is one thing. But you're actually helping them out in something more important, which is self-empowerment. And for once in their life, they don't feel like they're asking for help, but they're actually providing for themselves. And that's actually yeah. why, what, how I entrepreneur your business, because there's the, what you're helping with the creative is you're actually, they're, they're going and they're seeing employees eating, the, I don't know, in the cooking class, eating the product at the end and, and say, thank you for this experience. And now they don't feel like they're asking for help, but they're actually, you get paid for an experience, which is a totally that's- different thing. Correct. That's totally, totally, totally true. And we call it making the, the having the nonprofit have sustainable income. So you have goods to offer. You have a class to offer. I mean, a lot of nonprofits has a lot of things. In a lot of in a lot of cases, we help them discover it and understand the, the, the asset that they have. But they have assets. They have different things that they can offer and charge money for it. And that's where we come in. And yeah, we, we, we create sustainable income for that nonprofit. So they don't have to be dependent only on donations and only on, you know, people uh, giving money, but also and actually offering their services in return for um, creating that income. That's, by the way, that's what I wish you guys you know, as an end game. Like if I had to give you a blessing for the birthday, I'd say, I wish that your business would be so scalable, okay, that people would not, you would help people build business models from the assets that they do have so they don't feel or need to ask for help ever again. And 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 and, and from like that, that agenda, and in the meantime, if you would be rich on a yacht, I'd be very, very proud of you. Because that's doing two things, which is really great. Because at the end of the day, um, I think socially, I'd rather solve that problem and never give them help again in 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 a, in a good way. And uh, and like that, that's the area. So like that's 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 what I really like about it. And and and, and like more of that, and and not in a bad way. Like you know, like yeah, that, nice that, that, more that. more getting out of that more. You know, make right. get them get them. You know. Make them enough money to get their own votes and they feel great about it and you know confidence and and it's that's, that's the great what, that's thing. what we do right and that's what we do that's what the experience right, is all right. about it's not just connecting people to the cause but it's also giving them a way to create that income and generate right. that money in order to help their mission okay. um and that's the way why we bring it also in a very different way like yoga classes or meditation right, classes right. or cooking classes or cocktail making class because that money that you do that class you had fun you had a team building, but at the other end, they actually took the money and needed and, and helped them to do what they do. Do whatever they do. I know. Right, right. And I have a question. Okay, so you guys are doing really well. Okay, what would you say your uh, superpower is? Wow. Um, what would be my superpower? I, I don't know if it's a superpower, but I think my superpower is, is kind of making sure things work and connect in the back end of the business. So I think that, you know, and the way kind of this, we run the business, Michal and I, Michal is kind of the front also. And, and, um, and, and I wish you, she could have joined me and, and she's very inspirational. Um, but I, I make sure the business run in the back end and all the processes and all the team connects and, and the things need to get done in the back end. I think that's kind of my superpower. That we have a name for that superpower, by the way. And what is it? It's called a heart or a pulse. One of the notions that we're talking about is that 
uh, a brain can, you know, it functions and it's incredible and it's an unbelievable product, but it goes to sleep at night and needs to rest. And arms are amazing too. And livers are amazing. And the heart doesn't have to speed, doesn't have to pump a lot of blood and not a little amount of blood. It just has to do what it has to do. And no one knows this, but in any organization, that's what we say, that succeeds, there has to be a heart. And it's some more important also, not saying that it's more important, in some ways also than a brain, because the brain can go to sleep and it can be inspirational and you can go, wait, and, and I'm really happy, by the way, that I'm talking to heart, because usually we don't talk to hearts, okay? And, uh, and, and, and that it's actually a superpower, uh, which is um, not told that much, because I saw also when you thought about it, you're thinking if it's superpower or not, because no one, uh, you know, it doesn't get the glam, right? But the heart doesn't want glam. You don't want it to be oppressive because it'll blow up. You just need everything to function. So we have that. And what would you say your kryptonite is? Wow. Uh, I think connecting to people. I think part of what business is, I think success of a business is knowing how to connect to your team and know exactly how to talk to your teammates and how to function with each one differently and communicate with each one. Um, so I think that human connection, which leads to obviously management and so on, I think that that part is, is something that's I would consider as my kryptonite, the human connection. And last question, I promise. If you want to uh, tell someone, like our listeners, one tip, okay, that you, you think that was a game changer for you or something important that you learned in the way that you read or something, what would be that tip? I think that tip will be uh, from my world is that not every day is great. Uh, <laughs> not every day is easy. Uh, but try to look at the end game and try to look at the, you know, the day after and the, and the week after and the year after and try to look at, and, and try to look at what you're doing and how it affects and how it will change uh, later on. Um, in our business, it's tough. Each day can be different and each day can be tough. And just try to kind of, it's not easy, but try to kind of see the future um, and, and the brighter day and what you're doing. And maybe like take those five daily minutes to remember why yeah. you're there. Yep. That, that is great because you're definitely a heart. Okay, uh, you know, the, 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 there's someone looking for the sales day and the stuff like that. You just have to maintain it and look at the end goal. And it's, it's really under underappreciated job that is very, very important because that's the only thing that the pulse, you know, is the only thing that integrates between all the body. And if you plug it out, okay, at the end of the day, you know, there's the other guy just looking for the keys for the cupboard. It could be like something small and it could be big, like, which is the lawyer that helped him is that anything that integrates, there has to be a go-to guy. There has to be someone pumping blood in that. So I'm really happy that I also got the heart and also social impactful person. And wish you the best of luck and, uh, and keep on doing what you're doing um, because it's better than other things. At least there's like some kind of, you know, there's a value on that. And, right. uh, and we respect that. And thank you so much for your time. Thank, thank you, you so much. much for having me. This was great. And, you know, hopefully we'll have another interview in a year or so and we'll talk about uh, more stuff. Definitely. We would love that. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Real Life Superpowers. Superpowers.